Good morning. Thank you for joining us for church today. We're so glad that you tuned in and shared your worship experience with us here at New Hope Community Church. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13? We're going to focus on one verse today as we talk about go for broke hope. Go for broke hope. Trivia time. Who is the most decorated fighting unit in the history of the United States military? Don't Google it. Don't search it up. It's the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. It's the most decorated unit for its size, but also for the length of service in the entire history of the United States military. In total, about 18,000 soldiers served. And these 18,000 soldiers ultimately earned over 4,000 Purple Hearts, 21 Medals of Honor, and an unprecedented seven presidential unit citations. And what's interesting about this uh, fighting unit is that most of them were second generation American soldiers of Japanese descent. At a time where in the mainland, all around the coast, there were 120,000 Japanese Americans who were sent to internment camps in response to the Pearl Harbor bombing. Men and soldiers here from Hawaii, about two-thirds from here, here from Hawaii, about one-thirds from the mainland, served and they fought valiantly and they wanted to prove their worth and their mettle to the Stars and Stripes. There have actually been two films uh, dedicated uh, to them. It's, it's actually called Go For Broke. And these Banner Brothers... They fought with tenacity and heart. And you know what their motto was? Go for broke. Which means that we risk everything and we go all out in effort. It means that we try as hard as possible. We give our best. We give everything and gamble everything you have. You try everything possible to achieve something. And this phrase is actually, it's a Hawaiian pidgin English. It's something that's from here where it's a slang we use for a game of craps where you roll the dice, where a player makes a wage and the outcome of that roll of the dice um, determines the prize that you get. And the phrase was used to, to mean that you wager everything on a single roll of a dice. So if you lost on a single dice, you went for broke. If you lost, you lost everything. You'd be broke or you'd be bankrupt. Peter, in our text this morning, he's making his first command after 12 verses of praising God for all that he has done. And he's saying, hey, set your hope fully. Go all in. Go for broke. Don't be half-hearted. Don't be casual. Don't be lukewarm. But he says, go all in. Set your hope fully. Set your hope completely on the grace that is to be revealed to you when Jesus Christ returns. So let's go to our text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 
It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Have you heard that phrase, don't put the cart before the horse? That's to say that there's a sequence in which we do things because it's the horse that pulls the cart. And you don't put the cart before the horse because the cart's not going to do anything. It's the horse that, that pulls and directs the cart. In the same way, in 1 Peter here, Peter tells the believers, the elect exiles, the Christians in Pontus and Galatia and Asian Minor, these elect exiles during the dispersion, he tells them that he tells them who they are before he tells them how to behave. In other words, unless you've been made anew in Christ Jesus, we're unable to obey the, the commandments of God. If you're taking down notes, you could write this down. Hey, conversion precedes obedience. Conversion, it precedes obedience. In verse 1, Peter tells them, Since God has chosen you, that you've been elected according to the foreknowledge of God for the obedience of Jesus Christ the Lord through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that God has chosen you. Verse 3, since God has caused you to be born again to a living hope. Verse 4, since God is keeping in an inheritance for you that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. Verse 5, since God is protecting you through faith so that you won't lose your inheritance. Verses 6 and 7, since God is refining your faith, He's testing your faith through trials that He removes through trials any impurities, any impure motives so that our faith, just like Job, that have gone through the fire, yet I shall come out as gold. In verses 10 to 13, since the prophets and angels, they're on their tiptoes, they long to see God's grace and what it's doing in your life because of all these different things of, of, of who they are. Then he tells them, you know what? We praise God. We bless God. Blessed be God. Praise be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He tells them who they are, that they've been born again according to the mercies of God. Then he tells them, now you set your hope fully in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, um, hoping fully in His grace, the gospel is not an ethic first. The gospel is not a, a set of rules and Ten Commandments and how to live your life. Okay? First and foremost, it is not about faith or feeling or even theology. The gospel starts with God. It is, the, it is first the sovereign, the initiative-taking action of God. So only now do we hear, after setting this foundation of all that we have in Christ, as P Paul would put it in 1 Peter or in Ephesians 1.3, that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now he tells them, this is how you're to live. 
And the first command is that we are to completely fix our grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And here is the thrust. Here's a takeaway point. Would you write this down this morning? It says, we can have hope in hopeless times by having two things, spiritual resolve and mental clarity. Let me say that again for you guys. We can have hope, okay? Set your hope fully. Set your hope completely. Fix your hope completely in these hopeless times because we know that we live in hopeless and dark times. We have a global uh, pandemic. We have an economic recession. Things are getting from bad to worse. But you can have hope in hopeless times by having what? A spiritual resolve and mental clarity. And the thrust of this passage in verse 13 is set your hope. This is the imperative. Um, having sober-minded and having preparing your minds for action, these are participles, meaning that they uh, support the main verb. And the main verb is to set your hope, which means to look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. It means to hope, to hope to or to hope for. In Luke chapter 24, verse 21, we had hoped that he would be the one who is going to redeem Israel. There is a sense that they're looking something, anticipating with confidence of something in the future. Now, this command by Peter in 1 Peter uh, verse 113, it's actually found, this idea of hope, in chapter 3, verse 15. Let's look at that. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, what? For the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let me ask you something. Why do you have hope in these hopeless times? In these seemingly dark days, do you have hope? Or can you have hope? Uh, this verse is a classic text that they use for apologetics, which means it's uh, used to defend the faith. Like, always be ready to have the hope. And somehow, some way, we think we need to have like this intellectual prowess. We need to have this bulletproof argument and theology or to defend the faith about how Jesus Christ is Lord and He's the resurrection or somehow we need to defend the infallibility of Scripture. But listen, church, Peter's command here of always being ready to have a hope, He actually provides for us in, verse, in chapter 1. Peter has given us why we are to fully hope in Christ. Why are we to fully hope in Christ? What is the reason that we have? It's because of God. It's because God is great in mercy. It's because God has caused you to be born again. It's because God has given you a living hope. It's because God has given you an inheritance. It's because God raised Jesus from the dead. God has given 
me an inheritance that is imperishable, that's undefiled, that's unfading, that's kept in heaven for me. In the meantime, in the meantime, God is using every necessary trial to bring about the genuineness of my faith. In other words, be ready, church. Be ready to say to someone that asks you, hey, you seem pretty optimistic. Instead of rising gas prices and uh, the cost of median house here and home here in Hawaii is one million, and Wahoo especially is one million dollars. Like, why do you have this hope? The reason why you be ready to give the hope that you have. And the reason that you can tell them the hope is because of God. Be ready to share your testimony. Be ready to praise God for His mercy. Man, the reason why I can have hope is, man, my life was a complete mess. But God in His mercy, but God because of His great compassion, He saved me. He made me alive. I was going through marital uh, troubles. I was going through financial indiscretions. I was going through the pits. My kids were going crazy. And my house was a complete mess. My health was failing. And I made a complete mess of my life. But God, because of His mercy, He made me alive. This is why I can have hope. Because I know that no matter what happens, my soul is saved. And my salvation is secure because of who God is and because of what God has done in my life. Always be ready to give a hope. And we, we set, we anchor our faith, our trust, our hope, our ambition, our future in God. That it doesn't matter what's going on outside here. It doesn't matter the external things that are happening. My hope is fixed in God. Hope has a substance. And we're not hopeful for the sake of having hope. We don't have hope so that we could have hope. I mean, no offense to Bobby McFerrin. Have you guys noticed that as soon as someone says, no offense, they're about to offend you? Yeah. <laughs> but... Bami referred like, don't worry, be happy. I was like, what are you talking about? Don't worry, be happy? We're just supposed to not worry? I got my bank statement. I got my health report that tells me I should worry. But hope has, an, has a substance and hope has an object. And the substance of hope is that God has made me born again. The substance of hope is that God made me alive in Christ Jesus. The substance of hope is the testimony that you have. Be ready to give it. And here are five things that Christians should put their hope in, but, and here are five things that Christians put their hope in, but they shouldn't. Again, these are things that you, we should not put our hope in, but we actually do. Number five is this, my health, my health. A lot of Christians put their hope and their trust in their health, in their fitness, in their beauty. You know what? I'll always be healthy. You know, I exercise seven days a week. 
I don't eat bad foods, I'm on paleo, I eat clean. They're all about the body beautiful and longevity of life. Now, let me put a balance to this. Our, our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit and it, the failure to take care of God's bodies or the failure to take care of our bodies is a sin. But listen, is that what your hope is? My hope is not in myself. My hope is not in my health. That's not where my confidence is. Because all, all I need is one fall for a broken wrist. All I need is one report from the oncology that telling, telling me I have cancer. All I need is one car accident and there goes my health. See, my hope is not in my health and my longevity. My hope is in God. Number four, my situation. Oftentimes, Christians, we put ourselves in our, our hope in our situations. We put our help, our hope in uh, maybe, you know what, my 401k. Uh, no matter what happens in life, I have um, equity in my home. I have my retirement. I have my tax return. If you're a Filipino, oh, my kids are nurses. And because they are nurses, they will take care of me when I'm old and when I retire. Listen, the harder we try to set up contentment for ourselves, the less we will have it. Don't put your hope in your situation. Number three is uh, Christians sometimes... We put our hope in our church. And my church, I love our church. I'm the pastor of this church. But my hope is not in this church. My hope is not in this fellowship, but my hope is in Christ. Listen, churches are living and they're, dy they're dynamic. It's not static. And just like any living thing, it has a beginning. It has an end. Churches are birthed and churches are planted, but also Churches have an end-of-life cycle. Uh, churches, they serve their purposes. And churches close. And uh, my hope is not in the church. As painful as that seems, my hope is in Christ. My hope is that one day Jesus Christ will come back and restore the kingdom of God. He will right all the wrongs that's happened in this world. He will fix every injustice that's happened. Number two, my family. Let me write that down, my family. I think a lot of, oftentimes we overcompensate for life. In other words, things that may have happened, maybe things that we didn't get when we were young or things that we didn't get growing up, we overcompensate for that when we become older. Maybe, you know, my parents weren't around, but when I meet the right one, when I get my family, when I have my kids, when I have my family, man, I'm going to be um, the best friend. I'm going to be the most devoted father. Uh, you know, my wife and my husband, I trust them with everything. I can't live without them. It's like, bro, sis, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And these gifts that God has entrusted us and we're to steward them but we're not to put our hope in them you know i think we could say i want my kids to be better than me 
And there's nothing wrong with expecting the best from ourselves and our children, but our hope shouldn't be fixed on that. And trust me, you will disappoint your kids. And it goes the other way. Your kids will disappoint you. Uh, just this past week, Ezra, our kindergartner, six-year-old son, we got an invitation for a birthday party. And so one of his classmates turned um, six years old, five years old. And so we ended up going, six years old rather. And so we ended up uh, going to Ross, buying him a toy, wrapping the gift. I got everything together. And Friday afternoon, we had a birthday party. So we had fun. There was a slip and slide right at Cocoa Head Park, and the kids were having fun. They were able to play. They were having ice cream. They had a goodie bag home. They played on the playground. And, you know, two hours into the party, things were wrapping up, and I need to drop off my other son. And Ezra, I was like, Ezra, we got to go. We got to go. I was like, Dad, why? I was like, because it's time to go. We have to go pick up uh, Judah and bring him to um, swim practice. And he said, well, Dad, why do you have to ruin my day? You ruined my Aloha Friday. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? I'm ruining, ruining your day by giving you this party, by buying a present for your gifts, by working my work schedule just to, so that you'll be blessed. And because we left a little bit earlier than everybody else, then I ruined your day, your faith and your trust and your hope should not be in your family. Number one is my abilities. I think a good litmus test is like of where your hope is. If you could answer this and ask the Holy Spirit. Um, the Bible says, Lord, reveal uh, truth in my inward parts. If you could answer this question, no matter what happens, I'll always blank. No matter what happens in life, through the ups and downs, I will always boom. If you could fill in that blank, whether it's church, I'll always have my church. I'll always have my health. I'll always have my family. I'll always have my situation. But I think the worst is I'll always have my abilities. I'll always have a good head on my shoulders. I'll always have my work ethic. I'll always uh, get a job no matter where I go. I'm, I'm resourceful. Um, I'm good with people. No matter what happens, I, I have my college degree. I have my master's. I have my PhD. I have whatever it is. And, and trusting in your abilities. Um, where should you fix your hope? You should fix it in the Lord. My trust fully on the grace that is in Christ Jesus my confidence, listen church, my confidence that, that there is God. There is a God who sees and who knows. And someday when Jesus Christ this returns, every right decision that I made will be rewarded. And every wrong decision I made will be accounted for. At the revelation of Jesus Christ, He will make everything right. And my hope I'm going to go for broke. I'm going to put my life, my time, my heart, my strength, my mind, my soul, 
I put that all in. I'm going to set my hope fully when Jesus Christ returns or on the grace when Christ comes back. So as we wrap this up, I have two action points for us. Number one, would you write this down? Develop spiritual resolve. Develop spiritual resolve. Remember in verse 13, preparing your minds for action. So the command is to set your hope fully. How do you set your hope fully? It says prepare your minds for action. The participle there which means develop spiritual resolve. Literally, this word, preparing your minds for action, it means to bind up the loins of thy mind. It means to prepare oneself for learning and thinking. It's to get one's mind ready and to, to learn and to think and to be alert. In other words, it's to develop this spiritual resolve. So in Israel, a person would wear a long garment that would reach down to their knees and they would hang out at the supermarket or they were doing errands, they would have it. But when it came to doing work, when, they, when it came to preparing for battle, they would get these loin or these cloth and they would tuck them up on their belt buckle. I don't know if you're into MMA or Muay Thai, it's kind of like when they roll up their shorts and, and so that they could kick freely or they roll up their shorts so that they could run and fight freely. In the same manner, this is what Peter's talking about, that we have this resolve. We develop this resolve. We roll up the, the loins of our mind, so to speak. We prepare our minds for what? For action. And I think what Peter is alluding to here is in Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. Exodus 12, 11, this is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You guys catch that? I think what Peter is trying to do here is that he is continuing this theme of elect exiles, that we are pilgrims and we are sojourners here on earth. And, we, and just like God redeemed in an instant Israel, they are to eat the Passover meal. They are to eat unleavened bread. They don't have to wait for it, the yeast to rise. It's unleavened. You can just eat it and boom, you're ready to go. You get your clothes, you, you tuck your, your cloth, your, your clothing up to your belt buckle and you're ready to go and what i believe peter is saying here is that hey develop this a mental fortitude a spiritual resolve that life on this earth is difficult i mean where in the world did we get this idea and this notion that life is easy that life is pain-free. Listen, church, we live in this present evil age where the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We live because of the fall. Remember that? You know, he said, God said, cursed is the ground that you walk on. 
by the sweat of your brow, by the strength of your back, the ground will have thorns and thistles and you're going to have to work to make a living. The woman that you're going to have to be, there's pain in a childbirth. Paul says in, in 1 Timothy that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. If it happened to Christ, it happened to those who are in Christ. If Jesus was rejected, if Jesus was persecuted, if Jesus was forsaken, if Jesus was betrayed, if, if Jesus, uh, people talk stink about Jesus, a student is not greater than his teacher, that a servant is not greater than his master. If it happened to Christ, it happens to those who are in Christ. If Jesus went through life, he says, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If he didn't have comfort and the luxury of even what we have today, if Jesus experienced opposition, he experienced persecution, he experienced betrayal, we need to have the same fortitude. We need to have the same mindset. We need to have the, the same spiritual resolve that life is tough, that life is difficult, that God causes the sun to, to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, and he causes the the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, that life is difficult, it's hard. But listen, can you imagine living through life without hope? Can you imagine living through life that, hey, eat, drink, be merry, tomorrow we're going to die anyways? Can you imagine that the pain that you go through has no purpose? that the suffering that you go through has no meaning. You know, Jesus says in Revelation that he, he has a bottle, that he saves every tear that you have. Your tears, if you hope in God, if Christ is Lord, your tears are not wasted, that God saves it, that God remembers the, the betrayal that you've felt, the slander that you've gone through, the sickness that you've encountered, when you hope in God that one day when Christ returns, He's going to make everything right. He's going to reveal all the truth. You, just like we're doing in our devotions with Job, when God vindicates you and God makes things right, that is where we put our hope in. That's where we go for broke. My hope, my future, my ambition, all that I am, all that I have, I put it in Christ. And lastly, we'll close with this, is a detox from culture to have mental clarity. If we are to have a, set our hope fully on Christ's return, not only do we need to have a spiritual resolve, but we need to have mental clarity. And how do we have mental clarity when we detox from culture? Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, being sober-minded. The word sober-minded means to be in control of one's thoughts process and not be in danger of irrational thinking. It means to be well composed of in mind. Now, the term originally indicated 
sobriety as opposed to being intoxicated. But in the New Testament, it denotes a clarity of mind resulting in good judgment. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, food is good, right? But sometimes you just need to fast. You don't permanently fast, but you fast for a brief short period. I think for us right now, we need to have a detox from our culture. Not that we are to withdraw ourselves and move to the mountains and never see anybody again, but in terms of some detox from being intoxicated that we can't even think clearly about when Christ is coming back. And I'm just going to make this very clear. I think Christians, we need to detox from the news that we watch. Whether it's Fox News or CNN or MSNBC. It used to be that new, the purpose of news was to, uh, to give information. But now it's not even giving information. It's to almost uh, spark and initiate outrage. That you can't turn on the news now without feeling offended. It's no wonder your iPhone, they want to control the news. Apple News, they want to feed you to kind of control your thinking and what you should be thinking about. It's no wonder, if we could be honest, Facebook has a separate news. Facebook used to be rating, you know, the attractiveness level of Facebook. It's a book of people's faces and you, you rate them, but now it's, it's this thing where they control the news. They control even uh, stuff that's on YouTube. We need to be careful. And I encourage you just this week for the sake of your prayers, for the sake of putting your hope in Christ. Could you detox from some of us, the articles that we read or the blogs that we read? We become so political. We become so enamored with what's happening and everything is politicized. And we're shifting and we were intoxicated of being an American first, then we become Christian. No, you're a Christian first, then you're an American. You're a Christian first in whatever your nationality is. And so we'll close with um, Job chapter 14, verse 1. Remember that when you're intoxicated, uh, you're vision is impaired, your judgment is compromised, there's a lack of coordination, you, you're, there's a loss of balance, there's drowsiness, there's vision problems. And I believe the intake, remember, garbage in, garbage out. And whatever intake we, we, we read, whatever intake we, we watch, and we on, whether on our screen or on TV, that's eventually what's going to come out. And, and let's not get focused on a steady diet of just world events. 
we get sidetracked by masks and vaccines and our rights and the border and the wall and all these different things. We're intoxicated. We're not thinking about the gospel. We're not thinking. We don't have the reason for the hope that we have when people ask, Why, what is the reason that you have the hope that you have? And in Job chapter 14, it says, Mortals are born of women, are few of his days, and full of trouble. Life is short, and it's hard. It's filled with heartaches, disappointments. It's filled with tears. It's filled with suffering. But church, we have a hope that is unshakable. Let's go all in on the person and the work and the return of Jesus Christ. The great concern of this passage is that God, in His Word, He does not want us to be moderate or He does not want us to be lukewarm hopers. That God does not want us to be satisfied with half-hoping hearts. That we're to be, we're to have spiritual resolve. We're to have mental clarity. Let's do it together as a church. Geared up our minds, be sober-minded. Let's set our hope in Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word, that it brings us clarity. Lord, your word says your word is a light unto our feet and is a lamp for our path. And so, Lord, I pray that you would, that we would put our hope in you. Forgive us, O oh Lord God, for putting our hope in ourselves, in our finances, in our situation, in our health, in our circumstance. Lord, would you cleanse us? May we go for broke. May we go all in in you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, church. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Lord willing, we'll see you guys next week for our uh, fall festival, October 31st, 5 p.m. We love you guys. Take care.